<laughs> okay, Oscar. <laughs> oh, no. I think we should just do it. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> this is your strange and beautiful and welcome to This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and on my podcast, I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. And you just heard, well, you just heard Oscar, the cute white dog, uh, but you also heard the singing, the spectacular singing of storyteller, musical theater diva, fat liberation and online dating activist, Emma Lanza. (laughs) So her riveting episode is coming right up. Uh, We're just going to take a quick break. Okay, thanks. Love you. See you on the other side. Hi, everybody. It's Erica, and the fabulous Emma Lanza is coming right back. But first, a quick content warning. So Emma and I discuss fat liberation, and there's no trigger warning hit there. That's It's awesome. But we do mention yo-yo dieting, weight watchers, and binge eating disorder. So if these are loaded topics for you, Please take care while listening. Uh, We do, however, uh, make sure to not mention specific numbers, like no weights, calories, that sort of thing. And I think that maybe you might find it helpful if you have struggled with uh, anti-fat biases, uh, as most of us have, really. And it's an enlightening conversation. Emma generously educates me on the latest in fat liberation lingo. And some common terms that have radically gone out of style, like they're actually offensive. So I was very grateful to learn some new things. And the other content warning is, it's not a content warning. Okay, so uh, a little bit of background noise. So what happened was Oscar is Emma's adorable white dog and... We thought that, you know, a stranger's in the house, lots going on, we can't pay that much attention to him. We thought that the most soothing option would be for Oscar to take a nap with his darling cat sister, Scout. And we we were wrong, and Oscar let us know. So there's a chance, well, about a 100% chance, that you are going to hear a little bit of barking in the background for the first 10, 11 minutes. And yeah, we thought he would settle down and he did not. So we rescued him from Emma's bedroom and with some coaxing, we put him in the only place that dogs really belong, which is in my lap. So yeah, I cuddled Oscar aggressively for about 90 minutes. It was a deep joy, and we co-regulated together, which my 13th therapist says is very healthy. Oh, do I have to explain what co-regulation is? Uh, It's when together you help another being to achieve a calmer, more relaxed state. So yeah, it had a happy ending. Uh, Apologies for the brief background noise. Apologies to Oscar. We will never make that mistake again. 
And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for following. This is your strange and beautiful life on all your favorite platforms. Share your favorite episodes with your favorite peeps. And yeah, so glad you're here. And I will see you on the other side. Okay, so we're back, and today my guest is Emma Lanza. Emma Lanza is another crowd favorite in the Montreal storytelling community. Her stories dive into mental health and hypochondria, obsessions and crushes, body image and fat liberation, and her undying love for musical theater, especially Stephen Sondheim. Recently, Emma has bestowed herself with the official certification of Fat Babe, and we all agree uh, she is committed to celebrating the beauty and power of fat bodies. And just when you think Emma couldn't be any cooler, guess what? She launched a fatty book club, a fat studies book club that she helps to run on Instagram. She is also a devoted cat and dog mom to the adorable Scout and Oscar, who you can probably hear taking (laughs) a nap right now. (laughs) A loud nap. (laughs) Um, And here is Emma on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. Emma, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm sorry about my dog. Usually he calms down in like three minutes. and he's he's just just excited to see me. He's excited that you're here. Yeah, I think it's charming. I think everybody will... It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> um, Oscar, we love you and we we're so you. sorry. So, it's just that yeah. he couldn't sli- he couldn't sit on my lap, so then he had to go have a nap and now he's upset. Yeah. Like who wouldn't be? I mean, fair enough. Like <laughs> yeah. like any child. He doesn't yeah. want to be where the people aren't. Yeah. So we will yeah, we'll we'll hear from Oscar perhaps for the whole time or later. Um, but Emma, I wanted to start with obsessions because It seems to me that when Emma Lanza gets into things, she really gets into things, right? Uh, For example, I heard that as a teenager, you were so into Led Zeppelin that you made an annotated scrapbook about the band, complete with curated articles next to which you would correct errors in the margin. Um, I feel like I might have done something similar with my childhood hero, uh, Terry Fox. Uh, but so can you tell, <laughs> dork, okay, no, so can, great. can you tell me about some of your favorite early obsessions and how has that shaped the storyteller you are today? Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, you're not wrong. I get very into things when I, when I get into things. Yeah. Um, the, Led, the Led Zeppelin thing was, I found the, the scrapbooks a few years ago and oh. it's literally like in the margins being like, that's not accurate. Like, and <laughs> citing my sources. Um, I'm trying to think of other obsessions. When I was maybe in grade five, I got, I went to the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, I loved the Scholastic in my school, Book Fair. And I got a copy of The Hobbit by mm. J.R.R. Tolkien. And that started a lifelong love of all things Tolkien and Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings and The mm-hmm. Hobbit. And I have read The Silmarillion, but it's not a fun read. Okay. Um, it's very dense. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like to be a completist, I have to have Okay, so you are a completist also, like you wouldn't, like if you start something, you're going to finish it? Okay, okay. Although I did learn a few years ago that if I really don't like a book, I don't have to finish it. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what about, what about musical theater? What about Stephen Sondheim? Like, okay. 
Well, my parents are musicians. Yeah. And growing up, we would watch musicals on TV, like, or on, you know, old movies, like Singing in the Rain is a favorite, American in Paris. But then in grade seven, my high school finally was like, we're going to put on a musical. And I said, oh my goodness, it's going to be a musical. Like, and it was West Side Story, Uh which has lyrics written by Stephen Sondheim. He didn't write the music, but he wrote the lyrics. It was one of his earlier shows. And I just, it it spoke to me. Mm -hmm. In such a profound way, even though I didn't get the part I wanted, but I'll get over that someday. Yeah, I'm only I know. 40. <laughs> like 20, 40. <laughs> you know? Um, but I just, so then I started listening to all, like I went to the library, get all the musicals I could. Mm-hmm. There are some really good PBS like recordings of oh, like Sweeney Todd into the true. woods, into Sunday the woods in the park with George, with Bernadette Peters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bernadette Peters, an early crush that I didn't realize I was crushing on. Oh, she's very stunning. Yeah, she is very stunning. Yeah, <laughs> and she's kind of my hair idol. Oh yeah, how like, do people get their curly hair I, to cooperate like that? I don't like, know. I've been and trying I, my whole yeah, life. <laughs> me too. And I've shown her hair to my stylist, and my stylist was just like, "You, you, it, you don't have that hair." Do you think, yeah, I wonder, like, like I, I mean, in my old age, I wrap my hair up in a tank top for the first mm-hmm. few hours of the day. Like, I'm doing lots of things to try, but I wonder if these people are trying. Like, do they just get out of the shower like that? I don't know. I mean, Bernadette, I would assume, has, like, a personal hair, hair person. stylist yeah, person. Yeah, that's right. We can't compare um, ourselves so to the Broadway. her hair is perfect yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. but the nice curls are, too. and the colors, I've, I considered dyeing my hair once to her color because I was so obsessed with her hair. Yeah, but Emma, your hair is great. Oh, we, thank you. Yeah, I think we're both winning at hair. I think so. I yeah. mean, I have the white streak, which yeah, is very, very, very cool. Yeah, very And I, I keep, people ask me about it a lot. Yeah, so. okay. So winning at hair, winning at, the other thing that Emma is very talented at is that if you have any kind of situation in your life, Emma can find a lyric to Ooh. match the situation. Like, and it's very poignant. Like, that is something about okay. Emma Lanza. Well, don't put me on the spot because no, I can't think of anything like, right now. No, it can now. take a while. But like, I yeah, yeah she's very, very poignant musical theater uh, knowledge. So that's great. And do you think that like being the kind of person who is very obsessed with things, do you think that that lends itself to being the kind of person who maybe develops pretty strong and powerful crushes? Yes. Okay. When I crush, I crush hard. Um, and I I always chalk it up to like, well, I'm a Scorpio. Not oh, that I'm too. even entirely sure what that means, but it's a good thing to say. And people yeah. kind of go, oh, you're a, Scor- yeah, oh, you're a Scorpio. We get it. Now. Everything makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, no, I crush pretty hard, but I also don't crush easily okay so when I do crush it's it's hard and it's intense but I'll, I can go months with like zero interest in anyone okay okay so. so how long does a crush last and like how would you how do you meet a crush like the thing about Emma too is that her parents met crossing the street yep. right which is very irritating because how very. can we ever match that right mm-hmm. so you're looking for like this like splendid love story really right like you don't want to like meeting online we'll talk about that later but like yeah, how does yeah. a crush, how do you find a crush? I mean, in high school and stage up in university, it was usually people I was in shows with, which most of the time meant that they were gay men oh, that no. I was crushing on. Gay so, men are, <laughs> they're so cute. They're so, they're so cute and wonderful. And, you know, and I'm just like, oh, we're going to be like, and sometimes they weren't out when I had the crush on oh, them. So right. I had like hope and then yeah. they would come out and I'd be like, oh. Okay, that's that tracks. That that tracks for my my history. So, um, but now, I mean, 
I I guess with people you work with, but then it's like not great to date people you work with. But it but is great to have a crush on someone you work with yes. because then like every day is wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's but and like how long? What's the yearning like? What? Mm, yeah. I mean, I have crushes that I have had since undergrad that I still have. Mm-hmm. Like if, when I think of that person, I'm like, no, still have a crush. Uh. <laughs> like there, and there was one prof I had in university that I still have a crush on, and every now and then I see him. And I'm just like, wow, that just doesn't go away. Oh, that's adorable. And he was like a Shakespeare scholar and oh, like yeah. quote Shakespeare off the drop of a hat. At McGill? At McGill. Oh, I wonder if I know him. Okay. okay we'll have to talk offline. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I'm sure people could figure it out. It's not that hard. But yeah, but I had a big crush. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like sort of like a cerebral, there's got to be some kind of cerebral common interest, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. Okay. Well, Mm, many happy crushes but one of my podcast guests being she she brought up the excellent point that sometimes you can have a crush on somebody and it doesn't mean that you want to like you you need to bone them like I think sometimes Mm -hmm. you can have a crush on somebody just to sort of fulfill like the need for the wonderful drug we all love called longing yes Um, but I think sometimes you can just have an initial being said you can just have an initial chemistry with somebody and it means that like Oh, you know, maybe you'll be like an artistic ally with this person. You know, maybe you will, I don't know, just like walk dogs together. Like Mm -hmm. there's something there, but it's not necessarily like we don't need to go hump their legs in a hurry. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Shakespeare prof, I, if given the opportunity, probably would have wanted to bone. (laughs) You would have wanted to bone. Yeah, Yeah. probably. I mean, I mean, I I don't tend to pass it up. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's not true at all, actually, but (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, just to interrupt for a second, do yeah. you want me to go get him and he might be quieter out here? Is because that Oscar has a crush on me. Yeah. Why don't we try that? Okay, we'll let me get, just yeah. let me just go get him. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean everybody loves to hear a, a dog, but yeah. Oscar has a crush on me. Oh. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. Oh, don't worry. He can come sit on my lap if he wants. You wanna come up? I mean I'm sure he does. Okay, Oscar. Now, see, now he's quiet. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I don't know I what goes on. Bit... I honestly don't know what goes on in his mind. Yeah. Because also lately, every t- I have to wear inside shoes now because I have plantar fasciitis. Right, yes. And every time <laughs> I switch from my outdoor shoes to my indoor shoes, he barks. Oh, he likes your other shoes I better. Don't, I don't know what goes on in the mind of this very elderly dog. He is a bit old. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Bless his heart. Well, we're happy to have him. Okay, oh, Oscar funny. joins at 13 minutes. So yep. we're going to have about a 90-minute cuddle here, sweetheart. <laughs> That's great, because none, none of my crushes have really materialized into any action lately. Oh, there you so. go. Well, Oscar's great at cuddling. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes um, it really is all you need. Yeah. It's just a little cuddle. Yeah. Not that that's available, but... Um, I think let's talk about online dating now. Oh, goodness. Yes, because okay. I think we initially bonded over the joys of online dating. And we have had lots of excellent podcast advice. Or no, we've had lots of excellent dating advice on the podcast. But all this tends to come from like very happily coupled people. And I'm very happy for them. God bless them. Yep. Um but I think it's time for two like hot single gals to shoot the shit. And Emma, your process online is a little like there's an extra element because you came out as bisexual 
it's like relatively late. I think in your late, late-ish 30s. 30s. Yeah. yeah. July 2020. So, but yeah, just overall, Emma, tell us how bad is it out there? It's pretty bad. Okay. Um, I'm actually currently on a hiatus from the apps. Good. Because I can't. Yeah, um, can't even. It's like I'll, I'll I'll put so much work into putting together what I think is like a really cute profile. Yeah. I make it very like I always put like full body photos like there's not going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were fat. Like, right. But I mean, you're like the scrapbook, like you're good at making scrapbooks. So I'm sure yeah. that's transferred. No, and, over. and then I have like little cute little quotes or whatever. I'm like, I would want like not to be silly, but I would date me. Yeah. But then I so go much, on there. So thoughtful. And then, you know, I get a few nibbles or I get. I on on Bumble or can we what can I name? Yeah, yeah, okay. name them. Um, <laughs> they're gonna sue me. They're gonna sue you. <laughs> the um, day I get sued by Bumble, yeah, <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> the um, I'll get like a ton of matches. Okay, and I'll look through them. And then I'll match with people and then they'll immediately unmatch me. No. And that reminds me of the time I saw a guy on the Metro who was on Bumble and was just not even looking at his phone, swiping mm-hmm. yes on every single I have seen profile. guys do this on, yeah. on, fa- on, I saw, I was sitting next to somebody on Facebook dating and yeah. he was just like rapidly. Yeah. And he got, I, yeah. And so I think they just match with everyone. Mm-hmm. Then when I take the time to match with you, then they look and they'll decide like yes or no. Yeah, that's you know, that's lazy. Dudes. I don't that's, like it. It bugs me. That's that's a lame game. Yeah. We're not supposed to say lame anymore. Okay, no, but um, yeah, it's not a good game. Okay. No. Uh, um. So so yeah, it's uh. But also being by and trying to date is difficult because also I think I I talked about this in one of the confabulation shortest stories. Yes. Yes. Where I had this one woman who kept referring to me as a baby gay. Oh, Which yeah. Which is apparently a term. Like Newborns. Like, yeah, you know, right on, on Grey's Anatomy, yeah. I learned this. <laughs> there you go. Um, and it really bugged me. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, like you're not wrong. But also I wasn't, I didn't magically become bisexual in mm-hmm. my late 30s. I just finally came to realize this about myself, which is mm-hmm. not the same thing. And I do think it's common. Yeah, I think know? it's very common. Yeah. And um, so it's been a little hard. Um, and there's a lot of bi erasure out there where people think that bisexuality is not really a thing and like you have to quote unquote like pick a side Mm. or they think it's a literal binary when of male and female when basically what I mean by bisexual is I'll date anyone of any gender. Okay. Um, So some people might binary or or, or like, like, like just male, female, like you only date women or you only date men. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. And they don't believe in bisexual. Yeah. And they think that you, you have to, you can't be like, you have to, Quote unquote, okay. pick a side. That sounds very dated. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very dated, but it it still exists. Right. Um. So so it's been, and also I don't know where to like what apps are good for queer dating. Mm. You know, because I I I mean, yes, I'm a baby gay. Like I'm new, so I don't know. Right. But, um. So I've tried Hinge, and I'm gonna name them all now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get sued. <laughs> You're gonna get sued. <laughs> you can bleep it out. We can put like a like a sound of Oscar whining over I, I it. I never like, thought of this. I think it's going to be fine. Um, all 27,000 of my listeners. You know, okay. so so it's just, it's it, there's a lot of different components that are involved with me online dating. Yeah, yeah. So there's the queer thing, but there's the fat thing. Because mm-hmm. some people really don't want to date fat people or they mm-hmm. think that fat people are lazy. or to not. 
unattractive yeah. or unhygienic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get that many matches. And then that can get disheartening for me because then I yeah. do kind of internalize it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm working, I'm really actively working hard on on not doing that. Yeah. But it you have your moments, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, well, is it is it me? Like, no. you know? Um, but I've gone on some dates and I've mm-hmm. dated some people. I haven't had a relationship in a few years, mm-hmm. but I'm hopeful and I want my, I, I really want my queer love story. That's what I'm hoping oh, for yeah. more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if it's, if it is a cishet dude, then mm-hmm. okay. But they're, I'm not really, they're not really my jam these days. So. <laughs> what did they say? They're not life enhancing. They're not life enhancing. saying that before the show. Exactly. It's not a life upgrade. Cis, exactly. I mean, whatever. So, so anyway, I don't know. What about you? Like online dating? It's just, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we, by the time this podcast goes out, we will have launched a podcast, the very first live first date <gasps> at oh, the Magical Treehouse Palace. Yeah, I did it. It wasn't from an online match because that's just, that's a bit of a big ask. Um, And it was a, it was through a friend. And so I had a fun time. I am not sure it was the love story of the century. So far it's been two weeks and, you know, he's very collaborative. I, Mm -hmm. I'm like points for Amir for even doing it. Like that's Mm -hmm. a bit of a rock star. Um, So I'm just trying to have neutral experiences dating because I like I used to get so upset. I used Mm -hmm. like a date where even just like nothing really bad happened. But like, I just didn't, you know, I just felt like, oh, I'm going to disappoint this person imminently because I don't want to go over to their house and eat goat stew and then get married and have children. (laughs) And so that pressure really stressed me out. And also, I haven't I have to say, like, I haven't had a lot of avoidant types you know, like people who don't give you the time of day, that doesn't usually go anywhere. Like I have lots mm-hmm. of matches where nobody writes to me and I don't bother either. And that hasn't really, like, I don't get triggered that way with like people like, you know, getting a blow job, not writing me back. Like really nothing really happens online dating, mm-hmm. I find. So what I, I'm trying to just have like neutral experiences. I'm on Facebook dating only right now and I talk to a few people I really forget and mm-hmm. uh, tend to only talk to one person at a time but yeah there's lots of matches where nothing goes anywhere and like I don't know I feel for the guys too because like I was saying I've been online dating since 2009 with relationships which just it's been a long time it's like what are you supposed to say right like people yeah. are sending me emoticons and I'm like oh come on where's your game yeah. but I'm like I don't have anything better either you know no, like it's hard it's for sure and Interesting that you mentioned Facebook dating because I've never tried it. So we can talk about it after, but I want to know yeah, more about Yeah, my hairdresser said it that. was the best. Is it the best? Okay. Yeah, he's dating like right. someone half his age. So okay. oh. um, <laughs> that's what you're looking for. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for me, like I've had a few dates. I think, yeah, and I've gone, actually, I think I've gone out with a few people. Oh, no, I, I go on two dates and it feels like I've been on 12. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to like, you know, my therapist just says it's practice, my 13th therapist, and I'm not great at practicing, but I just, yeah, mm-hmm. just make it not traumatic. That's my real, yeah. that's my real goal with online dating. So, um, and yeah, I would like a love story in person, you know, yeah. an unambiguous, like, here we go, bam. Like, even though they say like initial chemistry is not always great. I, I like it. It's not bad either. Not though, bad. You know? Yeah. What can like people say it could be, they could like be triggering each other's trauma or something mm. like this. But 
Yeah, I just want something like unambiguous where I'm not like bargaining with my yeah. head being like, oh, I'm not sure I want this. Like just, yeah, but it could happen gradually too. So it could. It could. yeah, and I, I, if anybody else wants to do the first date podcast, it yes, was so fun. Yeah, um, I think that you need to get your friend to nominate you. Don't nominate oh, yourself. Okay. I'm going to make a video with that that rule. Okay. Don't you think? Somebody yeah. needs to vouch for you. Um, so that's my dating game and yours. So yeah, best of luck for our love stories to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm, I'm also, you know, it's that fine line of I'm also very happy. I know. The it's way I am, content so nice. alone. And yeah. I live alone and I have a great apartment and I have a dog who was being very good and quiet yeah, i'm just rubbing the hell out of him we're just <laughs> and you know and i have i have good friends like mm-hmm. i feel very complete it's just yeah. it's something it would be a nice to have yeah yeah not and, a must have and that's a good position to be in yeah yeah like, we want it to be life enhancing so yeah. i wish that for you um, thank you for sharing So now we're going to move on to the mental health spectrum part of the show. And so I think you and I are quite similar because we were both kind of dorky kids. And accurate. Yeah. We grew up to be bombshells. Also accurate. Also accurate. Yes. Yeah. But I think that we were also and we were and we are perhaps plagued by anxiety. Um, you talk about having your first panic attack when you were five years old. You've had a lifelong fear of dying. Um, my childhood hero was Terry Fox. So I've had a lifelong fear of cancer and other things like that. Uh, and we both went through some degree, um, some stage of severe hypochondria. There was perfectionism, eating disorders, throw in maybe a little suspected ADHD. Uh, do you remember how some of these struggles started and what did that look like? Hmm. Well, I mean, I do remember my first panic attack. Mm-hmm. And again, I, th- I, I didn't know at the time, obviously, yeah. that that's what was happening. But when I look like? at it in retrospect, I for me, they always start the same, uh-huh. where I get a tingling sensation at the bottom of my spine. Wow. And it kind of creeps up my spine and then kind of goes like sploosh. In I your feel head? it in my head. Like, what? It's I don't like know. a and Kundalini then, and then, awakening. And then I start, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then I start usually like hyperventilating and crying uh-huh. and, and my panic attacks, I tend to always think I'm losing my mind. Okay. And I remember that having a memory as young as five of that tingling mm-hmm. crying and I would just cry and be and comforted cry. obviously okay. by my, by my mother, but. Well, just not, not obviously. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. fair enough. But, you know, not knowing that that was what was happening. Right. And then when I was about 15, I started to get more and more panic attacks. Because okay. um, high school was not a great time for me, oh, despite God. West Side Story. Right. Um, I just, I was bullied a lot. And I was, again, I was very dorky. And I didn't have a lot of friends. And I was, I was the type of kid that was friendlier with the teachers. Yeah. Than my fellow peers. Um, and I think I just started to have panic, like several panic attacks a day. Oh, God. And it's it, exhausting. It's so you exhausting. have this spine thing and then just a lot of crying. A lot of crying, hyperventilating, mm-hmm. thinking I'm losing my mind mm-hmm. or that I'm going to die like imminently. imminently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they last, you know, sometimes several hours and I can't calm totally it down. Totally debilitating. Totally debilitating. So I went to I my parents, you know, they took me to to a doctor and they tried to figure out what was wrong. And they diagnosed me with panic attack disorder, which... Right. 
again, makes sense. Accurate. Accurate. Um, and with major depressive disorder okay. and anxiety disorder. And I started, you know, therapy and I started meds and mm-hmm. it got better. But it was like I was for the last year of high school, I was pretty much homeschooled. Oh, okay. Because I, I had too much anxiety and panic. To, I got very agoraphobic and I couldn't yeah. leave the house. Okay. Um, but but I made it through and I made it through high school. Wow. So that's good because okay. that would have really sucked if I couldn't have yeah, right. done that. And then when I got to Sejep, I did a really small liberal arts program mm-hmm. at Dawson. Okay. Um, and it was like, a, a, t- to quote a musical, a whole new world. <laughs> Well, a Disney musical, but yeah. still. Um, because all of a sudden I was studying things that I was really interested in and it was a small cohort of people and it was uh-huh. like a good thing to be smart and not yeah. something that you get made fun of. And yeah, I started right. to make friends and it was just like it, things really shifted for me in Sejep mm-hmm. and got even better in university and undergrad. Mm-hmm. So I still had the panic, but I wasn't having, you know, two to three panic attacks a day. A day. You know, it's I would have... Like- one a month or something like you know it it became a a lot more reasonable or Uh or livable because were you bullied in high school yeah oh no yeah I was there were some mean girls who pretended to be my friend it was one of those things if like they you know they pretend to be your friend and then it gets bad yeah it gets really bad and they like I remember they put um this is like a traumatic memory that's coming up. They put a poster, a picture of Krusty the Clown no. in my po- in my locker and on my locker and said that that's what I looked like because of my hair because no. I really truly didn't understand how to do curly hair when no, I was a teenager. It's very traumatic. So it was a very triangular afro type <laughs> oh, situation. I'm sure it was a bit so adorable also. It, I mean, I guess when I look at it in retrospect, they weren't necessarily wrong. <laughs> But it was really mean. No, <laughs> it was that's, really, really that's mean. very scary. So very scary. And uh-huh. so, you know, it was just not a great time. I had like maybe one or two friends, but I still don't even like there's no I'm not in touch with anyone from high school. No, it was not your time. Like I, I kind yeah. of just blotted, blotted out of my out. mind. Okay. Like, you know, but I have many friends from Sejep University okay. onwards. So mm-hmm. but that's a good point with like not, you know, where it's not like a like a liability to be smart, right? Because yeah, yeah, you can really get labeled as a smart kid. And I think you have a a gifted child, gifted, Emma was a gifted child. And so. I mean, I I mean, I wasn't, I've never been good at like the math and sciences Mm -hmm. side of things, but I've always been really good in all the other subjects. In terms of like the, just devotion. But like, (laughs) like I would get very, that's it, very involved, like I, I skipped grade four uh-huh. oh, and then when I went into too. also, so when I went into grade five, I had this like new teacher and that was the same year that the Kenneth Branagh, Henry V movies came out. Okay. Uh, movie. Sorry. And I saw it, which again, probably too young for, cause it's a pretty violent play okay. and movie, but I saw it and I loved it so much and I got so obsessed with it mm-hmm. and with Henry V and with Shakespeare that I wrote like a book report or right, something just on it for fun. and the te- and my teacher still point like pointed it out to my mom like years later when we would run into her like yeah your daughter is like the one who wrote yeah this whole thing no. on henry v in grade five yeah very yeah very maybe ahead of yourself but very thorough like i could yeah. like your stories are very thorough it's like Emma doesn't wing it, you know? No, Emma, I like to I like to fact check yeah. and I like to write things in advance and, uh-huh. have, you know, when I'm not fully procrastinating. Yeah. Like it's like two, yeah. two sides of 
of me, like, cause I also procrastinate. Well, quite a lot. we love to procrastinate it. This is your strange yeah. and beautiful life. But then you, so you have medication, do you have therapy for yes. the, like, has this yeah. been all your life therapy? All my life therapy. I've had many therapists. Okay. I 13? I, you haven't counted? Prob- I haven't counted, but okay. probably. Okay. And then for the last few years, I've, for the last like seven or eight years, I had a really great therapist, mm-hmm. um, but we sort of grew apart. Oh, interesting. Over some of like the fat liberation stuff. Oh, okay. Not that she was a against it it's just she didn't have a frame of reference and she didn't have a lived experience yeah that could really understand what I was trying to explain yeah, that makes to sense. her so mm-hmm. I did some research and also she wasn't she even fully said it herself she wasn't trained in e- eating disorder mm-hmm. treatment right and I really wanted to work on that so I kind of we kind of quote-unquote broke up but very amicably right um, like- and I found a new therapist who had experience in eating disorders mm-hmm. and weight inclusive treatments mm-hmm. and you know I mean she wasn't fat I mean it would have been great if she was because yeah, then she right. would have had the lived experience on yeah. top of it all but I'm not going to hold it against her either it's not <laughs> her fault um everyone's body is beautiful in the way yeah. that they are um but uh so that's my most recent therapist um has been really helpful and so I'm still I see her sporadically but again the problem is is it's it's very expensive yeah, to right. have a therapist mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate that I do have some coverage, but it only. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Know. Not everybody can go yeah. every week. Well, exactly. you seem well adjusted. Your house is very clean. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like cleaning. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know that's one of your questions at the end, but I love cleaning. Like mm-hmm. on the weekends, I'll usually clean yeah. my whole apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. I've listened to some of your other episodes and I'm like, do I do my baseboard? <laughs> I'm like, I think I do them sporadically, but not sometimes. vacuum them sometimes, but I, I don't always notice. But yeah, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's I, a niche yeah, thing. It's true. Um, but then, oh yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the hypochondria, right? Because mm. I know for me, I sometimes think that my anxiety is kind of like a, a prevention, like it has a preventative, a preventative what's the word function yeah uh, and because it's like oh you know if I'm like have like menstrual cramps and I'm like well I guess I have ovarian cancer two years to live yep. oh well but it's like I'm ahead I might on top of it right yeah. uh, but you so do you still I don't know if you're still like this but it seems like you know every you know you have heartburn mm-hmm. you have a heart attack yeah so but then take us back so one time Emma has like this debilitating migraine and so of course her her brain jumps to brain tumor mm-hmm. and it wasn't a brain tumor but uh, yeah how did that go down um it wasn't a brain tumor but it was a blood clot yeah and I had to get emergency surgery and I just remember feeling so validated in my anxiety and my <laughs> right. hypochondria of like you see like I always say it's something and you all say it's nothing and now right. look at it like Right. I'm getting an operation. I needed and that. <laughs> you were hospitalized for like Yeah, for a like long... a, almost a month well, yeah, I was in the it was hospital. Yeah, a big deal. Um, but I mean, I'm really glad that I got treated and, mm-hmm. and that they, but even then when I went in the first time with the migraine symptoms, they just thought it was a really bad migraine right. and I had to go back uh-huh. and say, this is the worst migraine oh, I've like ever had yeah like right. I, it doesn't feel normal it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a quote-unquote normal migraine yeah, that I yeah. have occasionally then they started to do more tests right and then it kind of came up and th- then the next day they were like we, we need to take you to the MNI for but, for surgery 
do you so did that help or not help your hypochondria like has that calmed down a bit it's calmed down a bit but I will admit to you like when I do have heartburn I worry that it's a heart attack Mm -hmm. like every time and I have this when I have a problem I'm not allowed to google it okay because but what I'll do now is I'll text my sister (laughs) and I'll tell her what the problem is and then she will google it Okay. And then she will call me and tell me if I need to be worried or not, because which is probably like horribly codependent. Right. But like I just when I Google things, I go down the rabbit hole no, and then it's I not can't, good. I, yeah. And then I'll have a panic attack or something. Right. Yeah. So I'd much rather outsource the mm-hmm. research for that in particular issue. But yeah, it's very it's it's funny. But nope. she's the person because she's very like matter of fact and right. doesn't overreact about things so she's the person too right she's also very bossy she's right. my older sister she's okay. the eldest so like it just kind of works like with our uh-huh. dynamic right um but yeah I still have my moments and I think that blood clot story like it didn't make it better because it kind of proved my point we were like yeah you got to be on top of this you know? shit I could have died exactly mm. so right so yeah the, the worst uh, is google images like google images they are really bad you're like well i don't have this but oh do i have the oh yeah exactly (laughs) so i'm like i just can't i can't i try to protect myself and you know it's no it's not fun to have a panic attack so i don't really want to like bring one on because i have heartburn like you know i wonder we're just gonna live like long healthy lives wake like we'll just be on our deathbed with all our limbs everything wiggling our fingers and toes yeah I don't know, but yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I find when I'm doing better, then I start to worry about my body. Like, I'll be like, yeah, like if uh, my anxiety will be like, you know, I'll be in an okay place mental health wise. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's, let's obsess about yeah. this. It's like no, a, absolutely. an obsession quota or like a friend, a friend. You need to have quota. something to be worried about, Yeah, uh, which is not actually a fun way to live. No, but it's just it seems to be my norm. Yeah. Right. You know? Hmm. Well, I mean. We have to just co-regulate with our little animals. Well, speaking of animals, um, I read I read an article, I don't know, 10 years ago uh-huh. about this cat that lived in a nursing home oh. that would go and sleep with people and then they would like die the next day. And they were like, oh, the cat like knows that something's going to happen. Oh. And every now and then when my cat Scout gets uber affectionate, I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> And that's from an article I read like 10 years ago. You're like 40, right? And I'm 40. And I'm (laughs) like, I mean, I have plantar fasciitis, but I'm in good health, you know? Like, I'm I'm like, Uh, but I just look at her and I'm like, what do you know? And maybe she just wants some affection, you know? Like, it's not always, you know. It's not always an emergency. But yeah, yeah, I think maybe sometimes. But like, is it harsh to say that sometimes anxiety is a habit? Like, is that? Oh, no, it's, yeah. it absolutely is. Yeah. And it's something that I you need to actively work mm-hmm. at trying to not do. Yeah, not go like just we're just gonna walk ourselves yeah. off the ledge. But sometimes I feel you walk yourself, you walk yourself, you walk yourself like, you know, it's like something sort of like irking you on Monday. And you're like, No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then like, you just keep walking yourself. And then Thursday, oh. Yeah, you, you tried. <laughs> you really yeah. tried to not like freak out about this, and then you, you do. Like, I mean, yeah, we have to honor our feelings, also. But yeah, yeah, okay. Well, good luck with the anxiety. I guess that was a dumb thing to still take that out 
No, it's, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I'm in a very good space right now. I recently um, started medication for ADHD. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. And you can tell I have ADHD. <laughs> it's, 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 all, it's all good. Um, and it's really, um, it's impressed me how much it's affected my mood. Right. My mood is so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's not a drug for mood. Right. Like it's not an anti like an antidepressant or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I am also on antidepressants. I have mm-hmm. a nice little cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really made a difference in my ability to focus, like yeah. not just at work, but just in life in general things. Right. And, and I just feel overall better. Uh-huh. And it's been pretty great. Although, again, one of the, the my doctor warned me, he's like, well, it can cause heart palpitations. Oh, right. And so-, so then I'm like, oh, my goodness. And, but he it's fine. Okay. Everything is fine yeah. so far. Okay. But I just have my moments of like, oh, I don't know. This is, like, a, heart this is a heart attack. Okay. Coming. But it, it sort of like gets you to a level where you're just not as distracted by like I'm not sort as of distracted those, like, by every little thing, thing that you could get so, anxious about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, I was having like a lot of trouble focusing on tasks and mm-hmm. stuff. Like I, I would have everything ready that I knew that I needed to do it. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just procrastination, although it was, Mm -hmm. but it was, that was a symptom, I think, of the ADHD that Mm -hmm. I was, because I can also on the flip side, hyper-focus on things. And when I hyper-focus, I'm extremely efficient and detail-oriented and get everything done. And so when I have, when there's like a work project and I'm in like a hyper-focus mode, it's fantastic. Yeah, right. You know, but then there's those days where I can't focus on anything and it's like pulling teeth to like send 10 emails and I'm right. like well yeah, I need to find boring you know well <laughs> I yeah. think that's what happens yeah. so things are boring yeah. it's hard to focus it's hard to focus right. but you know you need to because yeah, yeah. it's that's your job life, so yeah. it's part of life um so that's been but also just my mood is just so much better like okay. I used to have kind of like I would either be really depressed or like not hyper happy but just you know it was, there were extremes and now I just feel more like even keeled, even keeled. Mm-hmm. And I still have my moments of like being, if I am excited about like, I'm going to New York next week, I'm super excited about yeah. that. And I get very happy when I talk about it. Um, but overall my mood is just stabilized. Yeah. And like some people I've heard, they take it on the first try and they're just like, Oh, like they take it and it's like, almost immediate the the effect the effectiveness of ADHD drugs did you I find mean, that I, f- I felt an, a difference right away yeah um and I talked to a lot of my friends about it because I wasn't sure about going on the medication mm-hmm. and you know I have absolutely no qualms about taking medication yeah, I think yeah. if you need to take medication you should and mm-hmm. you should do that in in consultation with your doctor etc yeah, yeah. but I just was like I'm already on a fair number of meds like Mm -hmm. do I want to add another one but now I'm working with my psychiatrist to kind of remove or lower some of the other ones Mm -hmm. now that the ADHD meds are kind of helping things Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to find the right but it's all very it's all very slow yeah right he's very cautious and doesn't want to just rush things no meanwhile I'm the other I'm like I'm fine so like let's like reduce things and he's like no 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 (laughs) like I'm glad that he is the voice of reason he's like no no like you're doing really well like we're not gonna rock the boat yeah too much I think that's fair I mean I I had a horror story with Prozac which I won't get too much into right now but I for me I, I had to go off Prozac because of um side effects and um yeah meltdown um but I it was like a year and a half to no, two you, year recovery. You, like I was, it. I did not have, I mean, not that my coping skills were five stars before, but I was, I was worse off after like going off of it. So I think mm-hmm. like a gradual taper is. A gradual taper is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and very, you know, very slowly. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's a, 
But I do I did notice a fairly quick mm-hmm. which was sort of the reason why I was like, okay, well, I guess we were right. Like, yeah. this is what this is. Yeah, because, that's sort of the ADHD test yeah. to see how you respond to Because I know there are things you like you can pay to like get yeah. like officially a million dollars diagnosed, yeah. but it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm lucky that I have an a, a very good relationship with my psychiatrist mm-hmm. and he's been following me and my yeah. meds for many years. Yeah. So when I brought up this, like I'm having, you know, this lack of focus and these other mm-hmm. symptoms and, you know, he, he was like, I let, let's try the meds. He's like, mm-hmm. that's kind of the litmus test. Yeah. Um, but not all doctors will do that. Right. So yeah. And, and I think it helped that we have this history and he knows my history so well mm-hmm. and, and all that. So so I'm, yeah. I'm fortunate in that in that regard. I'm never letting go of him. It took me a really long time to find him. Yeah, that's great. And that's with RAMQ. That's, that's through co- covered. Yeah, it's covered. Yeah, the government. Um, okay. So it makes a huge difference. Yeah. But it took me years to get through right. the system to find him. Mm-hmm. And I've had other doctors through the system that didn't care as much. Yeah, not all the system were, doctors are excellent. We're just, you know check your, give you some antidepressants and right. just send go them away. away. Let's get my you know? $95. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. And so, yeah, everybody listening, persistence is key with yes. the mental health yes. and yeah. And I'm happy. Yeah. A lot of people, I'm interested to see how ADHD meds play out. Like I'm like just watching people and I'm like, mm-hmm. I just want to see. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I might have to go on them, but I'm, I'm a, I, because of my experience with Prozac, I'm not, I'm a bit resistant to medication. So I'm just like watching Yeah, no, that's totally yeah. understandable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I've had different medications that I've tried. I've tried, you know, every antidepressant mm-hmm. under the sun. And Lexapro. there are some, they're like, well, Butrin is my nemesis. Really? And some people think it's so fun. Some people it makes think it's it all it, horny. It, and it like... made me very upset. Okay. Just, I had a total meltdown. Oh, no. Um, and ended up in the hospital. And oh, no. like it was... Yeah. Like so much so that when a doctor asks me, are you allergic to any medication? I will say, well, well butrin, butrin, yeah. because I'm like, I don't think you'll need to put me on this for this like, you know, gynecological procedure, but I don't care. Yeah, like just, I'm saying I can't it anyway. Do it. Like, yeah. And I want to like, just applaud the persistence that is required to take medication because you have to, like, it really is trial and error and you have to mm-hmm. be committed to trying something for a week, getting diarrhea or dry mouth mm-hmm. or more, like, you know, and it's, it's, it really is a, a commitment. And so I applaud anybody who is willing to do whatever it takes to, to get the right yeah. formula. So that's yeah I just know that I don't function without some form of medication Mm -hmm. because I have tried you know yeah yeah. not being on any meds and just being in therapy like I have tried that as well and it just I I I feel like it's not possible for me I get like dangerously depressed no yeah like nails coming up your arms all the time yeah I need I need the help not worth it okay so go Emma that's awesome So now everyone is dying to hear about fat liberation. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So you have a naturally larger body and both of us grew up in a time where the body ideal was to look like you'd spent the last six years in a concentration camp. Uh, So for decades, especially for larger people, society has just been sort of dripping with the pressure to hate our bodies, punish our bodies, go on diets, Stairmaster, Count our weight, count our Weight Watcher points, and so for a big chunk of your strange and beautiful life, you 
bought into all the myths that all the world's treasures would be yours when you finally set free the thin diva inside of you. But then in the last few years, you've been kind of like, no, let's uh, fuck that. This is my body. I can't actually change it. Like we have been oppressed into thinking that fat is a moral failing and the worst thing that can happen. This is bullshit. And I'm very pleased with this development. And I know it wasn't easy. Sounds like it took more than one try. Uh, but I love I love talking to you about this topic. And so can you share part of your journey? Sure. Um, well, basically, I've always been in a, in a fat body mm-hmm. in some like small, smaller fat, larger fat, just mm-hmm. f- some kind of fat, not a petite person, not a petite person. No. And that is and that's just the way it was. But when I was a teenager, obviously, that was very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was part of the reason that I got bullied. And mm-hmm. so I would go on diets and try to make my body smaller. Which is a catastrophe. <laughs> and it was just, you know, I remember going to like Jenny Craig when I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16. No. And then I did Weight Watchers for many, many years right. off and on. With a family member, right? With, with a family member. Yeah. Um, and also I've, I made, you know, friends there. So I had friends that I would do Weight Watchers with. It was just, yeah, not anyway, a fun friend. Not, a, not a great, not a great <laughs> idea. And, and yeah, it, and it would work. Like right. I would lose a bunch of weight mm-hmm. and then I would gain it back plus more, which is, which very is actually typical, which is most text, of the time what happens to people. Book. Right. Um, so, and then in about, I think it was in 2010, I did a play called Fat Pig, yes, which is a play about like. Uh, a thin person, a thin guy who falls in love with a fat woman. Right. Um, and that sort of s- planted the seeds of me beginning to accept my body the way it is. Mm-hmm. But I would say that it was more like body positivity, which is a little bit watered down and more just like, just love yeah. yourself. But like, right. you know, as long as you're, but you can't be that fat, like you can right. be fat, but you can't be like really fat. Right. Because that's not be healthy. healthy. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, Yes, being in that play like empowered me in a lot of ways, but I was still on Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to lose weight. I was still exercising, not for the pleasure that exercise can bring, but because I wanted to, you know, translate them into points that I could eat. Oh, that's you know? torture. Um, and then, and I think it was 2019, Weight Watchers announced an app for kids. No. And I was... I just something in me broke and yeah. I was like I would never I would never put like one of my nephews for example on a diet on a diet or so what am I you doing that yeah like what am I too doing many on points. It? yeah exactly so I I canceled my account and I wrote like a scathing email oh, to Weight Watchers and I was like this is you know abhorrent that you're mm-hmm. doing this like it's their children and there's these are the reasons why you shouldn't be doing this and I was like I'm gonna find a dietitian who's like weight inclusive and mm-hmm. all that and then like a few months later I went to go buy pants and I couldn't find pants that fit me oh Emma why are we wearing pants yeah and why are we wearing pants at all <laughs> um and I had a complete meltdown right. in the changing room and I went back to Weight Watchers oh, but no. I had already by that point started reading about fat liberation and body acceptance and concepts like body neutrality, even Mm -hmm. if you don't even want to, some people don't like body positivity. They prefer body neutrality, like to each their own. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I started reading about like this, the statistical unlikelihood of a diet working for you. Yeah. So that is, it's 95%. Right. And for the 5% that it works for. Yeah. They Who I call be, the unicorns because right, I'm like, good for you. Right, but they could also be eating disorders, It could right? also be a lot of things, or, yeah. Or, 
I mean, it depends on their body type, too. Like, maybe some people did become overweight from, like, a binge eating disorder. And so then their set point is lower. Like, they're eating above their set point. Although I would argue... Yeah, like, please terminology do. wise, overweight is not a great term because over what weight? Right. Like, over their set point though. But yeah, who over who kn- what set point? Who, yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right. That's why like I I tend like I'm I'm not scolding you. I'm just yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like that's why I, I prefer the word fat and I know a lot of people don't yeah. like to use but that's why people in larger bodies is something uh-huh. else you can say too. Like someone might be like Do you, you like say, people in larger bodies or like I just like fat. Just yeah. call me fat. It's a neutral descriptor for right. me. But yeah, you know, people some people, it's really hard for them to to call someone fat. Like yeah. it's really hard. Skinny people and I, don't like and to I do that. And I understand. <laughs> like I can empathize, but all I'm saying is, it's not a bad word. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like I'm a brunette with curly mm-hmm. hair. I am a fat person. Like mm-hmm. it is not. There is no moral. You don't need to tiptoe around yeah. it as though it's like such a bad exactly. thing. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that 5% of people who can lose weight and keep it off, it's true. There are yeah. so many things that can go into why that is. Mm-hmm. And some of them can be, like you say, very upsetting. It could be eating disorder territory mm-hmm. or or other issues. And you don't know. Cancer. Um, cancer like sickness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like illness. Um, so I was back at Weight Watchers and I was just like... I, I can't be here anymore. Like yeah. I just, so then I finally quit again. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wasn't even losing weight because I was so angry at the whole system that right. I wasn't really like quote unquote following it mm-hmm. because what people will say was, well, oh, well I did it and I lost, you know, X amount of weight mm-hmm. and, and that's great. But I'm like, come back to me in three to five years right? when most people will have gained some, if not all, if not more. Yeah, that's the cycle. That's the cycle is, of the yo-yo really dieting. really destructive, right? Because you know? then, just as soon as you deprive yourself, like you know, poor Oscar, we deprived him. Of, we deprived him of affection. Of and affection, look how happy he was he is very now. upset. So now we've we've re, we've rebalanced that. Yeah. But like, yeah, people, it it just biologically it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work. And then I mean, a podcast that's coming out soon with Abby Stonehouse, we talked about like binge eating disorder and yep, that's my eating disorder. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes like people, people are always like, I'd like to talk about some of the fat, fat myths. Right. But that like one of them is that like fat people are always overeating, whatever mm-hmm. that means. They, they have no self-control and they're eating their feelings. Like a fat yeah. person equals binge eating disorder. Which is not true all the time, right? Yeah. I had a lot of problems coming to terms with the fact that I had binge eating disorder Mm -hmm. because of that. Because I'm like, well, it's going to be, everyone's going to assume that's what I have. Right. Because I'm fat. Yeah. Which is not true. I could Uh have any variety of eating disorder, but Mm -hmm. that's just, but because I did years and years and years and years of severe restriction, Mm -hmm. of course I rebounded by binging. Mm -hmm. Like, of course I did. Yeah. Like that, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I finally started to work on it in therapy, like it's gotten like so much better. But mm-hmm. I think also when I would look into it in the past, I would find healthcare providers that were like, oh, I can help you stop binge eating and then finally lose that weight for good. But it's not always And I'm like, the that's case. not about, that's yeah. not the point. Like, yeah. you know, but I would have people in my life tell me like, well, if you stop binge eating, you'll probably just quote unquote naturally lose some weight. And I'm like, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reason why you should seek treatment. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? You know, um, so it's just it's been hard, but it's it's so then I still at those moments have these these thoughts of like, well, people must assume that that's what I have because people think that fat people, you know, eat like, you know, uh-huh. three Big Macs a night every right. night. And 
which is <laughs> ridiculous, um, but right. No. And then like, it's not about like losing weight. It's about mm-hmm. like losing the sort of the, the preoccupation with food mm-hmm. in your, um, in your head, which is often caused by depriving yourself mm-hmm. and then needing to make up for it. But it's like, that's, that's, that's treatment for binge eating disorder is not about weight loss. It's about, no, like, and it shouldn't be about, about weight loss. Freedom. And if anyone promises you that, then you shouldn't yeah. seek them the out as a healthcare them. provider yeah, okay. um, or a therapist or whatever. But yeah, it's, I just didn't like how I felt when I was binging mm-hmm. because it was a very out of control feeling. And I yeah. don't, I would like not remember yeah. a binge hardly at all and I'm like I enjoy food like I love out. food yeah. like it's it, there's a difference between having a nice meal mm-hmm. and like a larger meal than you might typically eat because you're celebrating or you're mm-hmm. out with friends or whatever and yeah. you're enjoying every moment versus a binge where you don't even realize what it is you you're putting into your mouth you dissociate all of a sudden it's so, all gone. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So so I was I worked really hard in therapy to kind of differentiate those two things because I she part of the part of the one of the first things she had me do was track everything I was eating, oh God, which was I very hard that. for me because it reminded <laughs> so me triggering. very, very much of being oh, on yeah, Weight right. Watchers yeah. and tracking everything. Um, but it was helpful because then I would talk to her and I'd be like, well, that was a binge. And she was like, but was it or were you just having like a nice dinner? Oh, I see. Because yeah. of the quantity I was eating, I was like, oh, well, it must be. No, but there's but some like, sort no, of attitude a t- with a binge, yeah. right? Like it's it's more, it's it's almost less about what you eat and more about where your head is. Where your head is it. and exactly. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's been very liberating to not feel the need to binge as much anymore. And part of that came with stop when I stopped dieting. The dieting, yeah. Because then I was not depriving myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I went through a whole thing with peanut butter. Oh, I used to never have peanut butter in the house because yeah, I can't right. control myself around right. peanut butter, Yeah, you know? And, and so I would, I, I wouldn't have it. And I, I like actually devoted like several sessions of therapy. Oh, I did that too. When to, I, had eating I was like, I also. want to be able to have peanut butter yeah. in my house. Mm-hmm. And now I can, it's in, yeah. there will days will go by where I won't have any. And then, yeah, sometimes if I really do want like a, my problem was that sometimes I'd have a spoonful of peanut butter with mm-hmm. a glass of milk. And I was like, well, I can't do that. Why not? Why not? It's not yeah. a binge. It's a spoonful of peanut butter. You're just choosing not to put it on toast. every meal. <laughs> you know? Um, so, and now I have it in the house. But that yeah. was worth it to me because I didn't like the idea of having any food off limits. Yeah. No, I think that's You know, there, there are too, foods right? I don't like. Yeah. Which is different. Mm-hmm. But that's a food I love and I want to be able to have it in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if you do restrict it, then you are more likely yeah, to like binge to on just, it later on. To have no, like no particular food or food group has power over mm-hmm. you, you know, like people have this with bread. A lot of people mm-hmm. have this with bread and carbs. They're like, oh no, I'm like, I can't, you know, I was so bad. They're like, they only eat bread on Saturdays or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just like, it, yeah, it's like no food deserves that kind of like, food has no moral yeah anything yeah like there are no like in my opinion and people will disagree there are no good foods there are no bad foods there are no healthy unhealthy Mm -hmm. it's just it's food everything is fuel yeah like obviously like do i feel better when i eat more what people would consider like healthy in the sense of like you know vegetables fruits etc yes and then, you know, we need my, fiber, we need fiber, <laughs> I need fiber because you need to have those good poops. Yeah. Sorry, TMI, but it's the truth. That's, yeah, it's very important. Um, but, you know, if I'm not going to beat myself up anymore, if I get a donut. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I don't consider it like, or like, oh, well, I better work out 
extra hard today because I had a donut. I, that's the kind of thinking I don't, yeah. I don't like anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's still very pervasive because you hear people even, even, you know, in a work environment being like, oh, well, we're going out for lunch today. So we better like exercise more later or whatever. No. And I'm like, no, like just, just, just eat the food. Like yeah, just- exercise because exercise makes you feel good yeah. and reduces stress and does a lot of great things for you. But yeah. it's not you know. Yeah. And then like just more on the, like the health, like the health and fat myths. So a lot of the time people will say like, and my weightest relatives included, they'll be like, well, I just, it's just not healthy. I Mm -hmm. want them to be healthy. Um, if they're so concerned about my health, Mm -hmm. I would ask certain questions like, well, how do you know that I'm not healthy? Mm -hmm. First of all, but also health is not a moral obligation for anyone Mm -hmm. there are some people who are not healthy Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that they're any less deserving of being treated with respect and kindness etc but also there are studies that show that sometimes being in a larger body can actually reduce other certain health things Mm -hmm. um not everything but i'm not you know i'm not here saying that you know being fat makes you the healthiest person in the world because But also being thin doesn't make you the healthiest no. person in the world. Your body, your body size, that doesn't have anything right. And know, a lot of to these, do with it. to my understanding, and I'm not a good science person, so, but my understanding is a lot of the, the diseases that are associated with obesity, like diabetes and heart stuff, like, I'm not sure, but maybe you can back me up on this, but some of it's like comorbidity. So it's well, like, it's like not correlation off. is not causation. Right. Okay. Exactly. And I'll say, and I, again, obese is not a great word. Okay. Either. Thank you. Um, okay. I've just, it's just because OBMI. The, well, the, the Latin root of the word obese means having eaten oneself fat. Oh, so I see. That's placing the blame on, on the, the fat eating. person yeah, and right. the eating. Okay. But the problem is, is people think that that's a, because me- it is a medical term, right. yeah. that it's not offensive. But there's right. a lot of people in the fat liberation community that find the terms obese, right. overweight. Yeah. Some people find that even use the word slur around the term obese. Okay. Um, because it's just, and it's true, when I read it in like a book, I'll be like, oh, like it just, because okay. yeah. it, it, it really pathologizes yeah. me and my body and it makes mm-hmm. me feel like my body is a disease. Right. Which it's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just a, a sidebar. Um, a few months ago, I had to get day surgery. Yes. And I went and for the pre-op appointment at the hospital. Uh-huh. And they didn't have chairs that I fit in. Right. And they didn't have a blood pressure cuff that was big enough to take my blood pressure accurately. Mm-hmm. So I actually decided to complain to the ombudsperson. Yeah. And... Which is, again, you don't have to, like, it's, it takes a lot of energy to do things like yeah. that, to kind of advocate for yourself mm-hmm. in that way. But it's something I'm trying to do. And I got a response this week. Okay. And I was extremely happy with the response because they're like, we, we, we're going to get a blood pressure cuff right. for the pre-op area that would fit multiple bodies. Because it fits smaller bodies too, right? Yeah, they have, um, they have yeah. different sizes of cuffs. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, they just didn't have the largest size. Mm-hmm. But like, my example is always like someone like The Rock. Yeah. He would need a larger blood pressure cuff yeah, right. and you wouldn't call him fat. Like it's yeah. not ju- there's a number of reasons why people might need different size blood pressure yeah. cuffs. And they also said we got we installed some chairs that don't have arms that mm-hmm. are sturdy and I was like that's great but they in the report they sent me 
they kept using the word obese. And I'm like, oh, oh trying, but <laughs> you're yeah. trying, but they're a medical establishment. Right. So I'm like, I, and then I thought about complaining again, being like, PS, like maybe don't you maybe rethink your terminology. Right. But of course they sent it from a do not reply email. So I'd right. have to open a whole new complaint. complaint. And I'm like, I, that's where I put my limits, where I have my boundaries, where yeah. I'm like, I don't have the energy to do that. Mm-hmm. It was just, I was so happy that you know, someone else who goes to get a pre-op who might be in a fat body mm-hmm. won't have the same issues I did. Mm-hmm. I was also like, but maybe think about your terminology. Like, yeah, well, that is new to me. But this, that's it. Not a yeah, lot of people know. Yeah, like, I don't so, I don't think you said it to be, yeah, you know, hurtful. Now that it's on the podcast, everybody will know. <laughs> like, Hinge is going to sue me and then everybody Hinge will gonna know. Hinge is going to sue you and then everyone will know that obesity is a slur. So, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not so, worried anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I just, Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, the medical, the the sort of the medical convenience of thin privilege is mm-hmm. something that uh, we don't think about, no, right? It's no, like absolutely. That, like we can, you know, comfortably. And get that's on the and table that's another and... point is that a lot of fat people will not seek out medical mm-hmm. attention when they might need it because they're just told to lose weight, right? Yeah. So then they'll show up maybe further down the line when mm-hmm. something really is more seriously wrong. But then people will say, well, it's because you're fat. The that outcome you have, is you know, worse, but it's because and I'm like, they didn't. But maybe yeah. it's because they didn't have access to good quality health care right. that was weight inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, whenever I have to go to the doctor, I'm, I'm full of anxiety. Right. I don't want to go because, because I do have, I do have a doctor that likes to bring up my weight and, the you know, sore and, throat, you should lose weight. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's very hard mm-hmm. and. I understand why a fat person might just not go to the doctor right, at all. Yeah. So, but that's not, again, that's not the fault of the fat, the person's fatness. That's yeah. the problem with the, you know, medical industrial complex being anti-fat in general. Right. So it's a systemic problem. It's not the person's fault right. for being fat, but that's really hard for people to grasp sometimes. It is so in our brains. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I just, I know that I have internalized. What is, you're supposed not to say fat phobia anymore, but. Some people don't like the term fat phobia mm-hmm. because it's like. We're not actually, you're not like, actually like fo- running off the bus Exactly. When you see a fat it's person. more, some people prefer the term anti-fatness. Anti-fat, yeah, okay. Um, but like, I have internalized anti-fatness. Right. Because I, but like you, you don't because you're not in a fat body. You might oh, have okay. anti-fat, like intrusive anti-fat thoughts that are not okay. like but it's not internalized in okay. the same way because internalized means that it's something you have lived experience oh okay i see i see being. okay i mean that's as far as i am not a fat liberation scholar i'm just yeah you, you have a book club but, but i have a book club yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's it's more just we all have internalized like i'll have internalized homophobia too sometimes okay. you right. know whereas you might just have certain preconceived notions about you know, let's say, for example, bisexual people, right. that you're like, oh, maybe I need to rethink that. Like, okay, but it's not... Like biases and stuff? Biases. Yeah. Or, yeah. Thank you. That's the word okay. I was trying to think right. of this whole time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, well, my I feel like my, just where my life, like I was a swim team kid, just like in the fitness world, my family, not so much my parents, a little bit, but more my extended family, very anti-fat, like just yeah. like pointing out people. Like I was in a van with relatives and there was some fat woman walking into McDonald's and like relative was like, oh, that person should not be going to McDonald's in front of me and my cousins. And we're like, oh, you know, like it just was very ingrained that that was just like that 
that to be fat would be a tragedy. It would ruin your life. It's the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah, which is... Yeah, and people will say things like, well, I, you know, I want to lose weight, but I'm okay if you want to be fat, but I just don't want to be fat. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that, and I think... Aubrey Gordon, who's amazing, if yeah, you, yeah. you want to look mm -hmm. up, I've, if people want to look up some resources. I listened to her before yeah. to prepare. Um, her handle on Instagram, et cetera, is your fat friend. And she writes, she's written books and mm -hmm. has a podcast. Excellent. Yeah. excellent. Maintenance um, phase. Everywhere. Maintenance phase is the podcast. Although that's not technically a fat liberation podcast, but yeah. they do debunk wellness yeah. mm -hmm. health things. But I think she said, she said once, oh, now I've totally blanked on what I was going to say. Oh, my goodness. That's okay. I had a brain fart. She said, what was it? Because she, she said so many things. So now it's like mm -hmm. all. No, I can't remember. Sorry, we'll have to move on. But we were talking about, no, oh, I don't know, anti-fatness. No. No. I mean, it's all yeah, there. Okay. But, but I had an example that was from my, her, but I can't. My parents yeah. my relatives pointing out a fat person going to McDonald's. Right. Well, I mean, something about that is tr is to also consider uh, when you look at like systemic oppression is, you know, things like food deserts and people mm -hmm. might not have any option other than to go to McDonald's yeah, and, or they can't afford, you know, different types of groceries or whatever, or they don't have access to it. Like there's so many things that go mm -hmm. into it that are more than just like, well, I'm a fat person. So I eat McDonald's. Like, yeah, right. you know, and also if you like McDonald's, like go to McDonald's, like I, yeah, it's just it, it's sort of the ableist element of it yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, right, like the worst. Yeah, it's like the worst. The two worst things is probably that you are fat or that you're in a wheelchair. Those are like oh, two I things. remember now. Okay, great. The sorry <laughs> that she would say to someone who said like it's okay if you're fat, but I don't want to be fat. Is that one of the things Aubrey Gordon says? Is but what you're saying is, is the worst thing for you would be to look like me. Yeah. So how am I supposed to it, interpret that? Yeah. And I think of that a lot because, mm -hmm. you know, I'll have people in my life who'll be like, oh, well, I really want to lose 10 pounds. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, OK. I mean, OK, because, again, I also believe in bodily autonomy. And if people mm -hmm. want to do that, that, mm -hmm. that is that is their prerogative. But you're what you're saying to me, like the message I'm receiving as the fat most of the time, the fattest person in your life right. is you would do anything to not look like me. Right. Yeah. So or also sometimes people take their emotions out on the word fat and they'll be like, oh, I'm I having a fat day. Yeah, or I though, feel so fat. Like as though that's like, oh, I love your face right now. So like <laughs> that's like, oh, you know, like and, and for me, I mean, I have to say, like, even recently I've had, you know, I would have easily said I had a fat day. I tried on the jeans, felt fat, like all the things. Right. So yeah. that, you know, I'm like attributing all these negative emotions to being fat, which is some people's reality. Yeah. Not my reality. Like. And there are things about being fat that suck yeah. because we live in an, in a in an anti-fat society. Mm -hmm. Like it does. I do have to think about things like seating when mm -hmm. I go places. Yeah. And, you know, when I travel, I don't I mean, well, almost no one fits on an airplane seat anymore, right. but especially a fat person. Yeah. Um, and then you have to make accommodations to get a second seat. And then sometimes you have to pay for the second seat and you don't get it reimbursed. Right. And if you want it reimbursed, you have to go through a whole red tape process where mm -hmm. your doctor I read this somewhere recently I don't know I don't quote me on this but or quote me because I'm on a podcast <laughs> but the doctor had to like measure the person's ass no sitting down like how wide their ass spread oh, and write it on a form for the airline to be like oh, okay we'll reimburse you because you couldn't possibly fit in one seat wow, and I'm like so you have so to go through something deeply dehumanizing yeah. But like I would do it to get the money back, like right, yeah. you know. But some, like but maybe some people bucks. it would be too hard for for yeah. them, like too triggering mm -hmm. emotionally or whatever. Um, so you know, I'm not saying it's all daisies and you know 
puppies, mm-hmm. but I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world to be mm-hmm. fat. I think it's just a thing. Yeah. You so know, like, some people you... are thin, some people are fat, some people are in between. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it, like, if you were to like, and this is probably a bit tough, but if you were to summarize like fat liberation in like two to three sentences, oh it's... That's hard. I mean, the first thing I would say to everyone listening, if you have an interest in fat liberation, is to do a Google. Yeah. um, Because why not? Mm -hmm. Um, But there are several really good books you could read. Some of them are by Aubrey Gordon. Um, I think she has two books now. There's another real, the great, the intro kind of quote unquote intro book I will suggest to a lot of people is called Happy Fat by a comedian named Sophie Hagen, because it's also very funny. Yeah. But it also explains things about diet culture and Uh about anti-fatness. Um, that, you know, it makes it for lack of a better term, a little more palatable, right. like, you know, because there's also a full on fat liberation scholarship, like yeah. academic works mm-hmm. that you could read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically fat liberation, if I could sum it up is just that, you know, fat people deserve equity and, you know, to be treated with respect and they deserve love and they deserve friendship and they deserve mm-hmm. jobs. They don't, you know, sometimes there's studies that show that fat people won't get hired at the same or won't get promotions or won't Mm -hmm. get the same salary or whatever. So it's just, and I also think that fat liberation is, this is very important, not just for fat people. Right. You know, it's like you wouldn't, you know, just, just like other forms of oppression, like that, you know, you might not be queer, but you consider yourself an ally to the queer community Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you try not to be homophobic, et cetera. Well, you don't have to be queer to care about that. Yeah. And you don't to have, benefit from it and too. And to benefit from it mm-hmm. too. And you don't have to be f- fat to benefit from fat liberation. Right. It benefits everyone. Um, so that would be the other thing that I would say. But um, but again, I am I am by no means an expert, but I do have, and a friend reminded me of this today, lived experience mm-hmm. is so important. Right. Like scholarship is important too and research and like people who do this you know, as a career Mm -hmm. and our academics and fat liberation, that is important too. But people with lived experience of fatness, like that is real Mm -hmm. and it informs the research. Yeah. Cause, cause I I actually was talking about being on, on your podcast and I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Cause I'm like, what if I don't talk eloquently about, you know, fat liberation. You're talking very eloquently. She's nailing it. And my friend was like, yeah, but you have the lived experience and that's kind of the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You know, no one can teach that to you. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was nice to hear that. So anyway, mm-hmm. it was, it was nice. Oh, this is great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been, yeah, thanks for sharing all this. I always enjoy your Instagram and your Facebook stuff on like being quite honest about fat body stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's very valuable. I'm aggressively cuddling Oscar so he doesn't come off the think he wants to leave. But I'm like, come on, Oscar. We're almost there, Oscar. You're doing so well, buddy. So good. Yeah. He's like, wants to go in the mic. He wants to talk in the microphone. He wants to say something. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he probably wants to say, why did you put me in the other room before? That didn't work. (laughs) It was so bad. We learned our lesson. We've learned our, I'm sorry, Oscar. (laughs) Erica comes over. I'm going to sit in her lap and he's not peeing. No. No, he's (laughs) not. not at that stage of life. Okay, are you ready for our listener question? Yes. Okay, so, dear Erica and Emma, I'm 28 and I've been online dating since college, but the only people I match with are creepy or they're just interested in one-night stands or or friends with benefits situations. The reason is almost certainly because I'm unattractive, but I just don't know what to do. 
I'm almost 30 and I've never had a relationship. I've always wanted one, but nobody I'm interested in dating wants anything to do with me. When I was 24, I gave in to some of the creeps and the one-night stand guys. I just wanted to gain at least some form of romantic experience. But it's draining and I can feel they're not into me physically. They're just using me as an easy option. I can't even land a friend with benefits because, again, I'm not attractive enough. I put in an immense amount of effort into my appearance. Hygiene, makeup, skincare, clothes, losing weight, going to the gym, everything. But I'm just so, so tired. There's nothing I can do to compete with the other women. How can I survive as an unattractive woman? How can I find someone who genuinely wants me and won't fall for my friends once they meet them? (gasps) Someone who isn't settling for me just because they couldn't find someone prettier. I'm on the verge of tears. I am too. And I don't know what to do anymore. Please, I need advice or success stories because I just can't anymore. Love, too ugly for a fuck buddy. This is the most heartbreaking. That is so sad. I mean, it makes me very sad. I'm very sad. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That is a a doozy of a listener question. Um, Goodness, what would I say? I mean, the first thing I would say, it would be a book recommendation. Okay. Um, It is called The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Okay. And it is about the power of radical self-love. And I Mm -hmm. think that this listener could use some radical radical self-love. But it's hard because also what is attractive? What does that mean? Like, I I guess they mean like societal norms ideals or ideals of being of being attractive but you know i also don't like it when people say like oh well there someone will find you attract like you know because right. you don't know that like no one actually knows that um because yeah. i've noticed like my myself with online dating like a lot of people like will see that i'm fat and immediately just say no mm-hmm. or i don't like fat people or i don't i don't find them attractive or whatever right. and i'm like, like without bothering nose. to get to know me right um and also, I don't understand it because, like, I think I look great. So she does look great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But it's it's but it's hard when you know you're getting those messages all the time. So I really feel I really feel for this listener. Um, but yeah, read the body is not an apology. But also, I I keep think because you sent this before, so like I'm not I've been thinking about it yeah. a little bit, and I I keep thinking of the RuPaul quote. Okay. The, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? Everybody always says that, but, but then I'm most like, people don't really love themselves. But I'm like, most people don't. And I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to, like, I remember times in my life when I didn't love myself and I still had a great capacity to love mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't think that's good advice either. But for mm-hmm. some reason it kept popping into my head, maybe just because I watched too much Drag Race, um, which is possible. Possible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What could we well, tell Well, I have a few thoughts. Okay. One is like... Yeah, unattractive to who? Like, I was looking around the metro. Like, how many people are truly ugly? Like, seriously, Mm -hmm. most people have some kind of spark. Like, there's something about them, especially if you are, you know, making an aesthetic of yourself. Like, I I don't believe in getting too obsessed with skincare. Mm -hmm. Certainly not weight loss. We hate weight loss. But, like, you know, if you are, if you're putting, taking the time to put yourself together and go out the door, I really don't think. Like, I feel like this is very um, biased that you are unattractive. I I think that that is maybe exaggerated. And it's like, as soon as you start fighting with the woman in the mirror, 
Mm-hmm. You will not win that fight, okay? Nope. None of us, like, I just, you know, Emma and I have been hot our whole lives. And anytime yeah. we've obsessed about what's going on in the mirror, it hasn't been a good day. It just no. hasn't. And that's not going to make a date fun. Like, that's not going to make yeah. your interactions with people fun. It's, it's just you're over hyper-focused on appearance, which is a very easy thing to do. Uh, but I, like, are dudes really just, like... Like, mm. so fixated. Like, I think she's dating the wrong dudes. Yeah. Um, I, my radical suggestion is you need to get off the apps. You need to take yeah. a break. I Fair. don't think that she should be dating for a while. I think she needs to change her focus away from appearance, away from creepy dudes who want to go on one night stands. Like, I just think that is mm-hmm. not going to create a like it might allow for a strange life the beautiful component will not arise from that um yeah take and i think she needs to focus on other things she needs to focus on things she enjoys Focus on things she enjoys things that bring her joy Mm -hmm. things that make her happy um things that stimulate her yeah you know intellectually there are so like it can be hard if you're if you're on the apps and you're mm-hmm. feeling kind of dejected about it mm-hmm. and you're feeling unattractive. Like I like your suggestion of maybe take a break take from a break. the apps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also depends where you are geographically. Like yeah. I don't know about you, but I would be on multiple apps and it's always the same people for the last yeah. like six years. Yeah, that's it's true. A for lot me, it's of the same 2009. people. 2009, Guillaume didn't work then, won't work now. That's hilarious <laughs> for many reasons. Because um, I've also had many a Guillaume. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just uh, a take a break, focus yeah. on yourself. But also the things that they mention about, you know hygiene and and you know dressing nice or whatever I think you should do that for you not for someone else right like if you feel good because you're dressing a certain kind of way if you feel good because you're going to the gym even and I'll say it even if you feel good because you're losing weight which again is not something that I necessarily think is Mm -hmm. the best just because I know what'll happen down the line that you probably won't you know it won't be long term but whatever if it makes if it if it you're doing it for yourself, that's different than if you're doing it because you want to get someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh no, it's just, it's too externally focused. And yeah, I mean, it's very cheesy, but like you really do need to build, you don't need to like loving yourself. This is a tall order, but like to really enter into a relationship with yourself, Mm -hmm. because what happens when you don't have a good relationship with yourself is that you will you will end up with creepy people. You will end up in relationships that are not good for you. I remember I was just very lonely during the pandemic and um, I had my very famous gay husband and I had my gay husband as just like my COVID, you know, pod person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was wonderful until it was abusive, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember our first blowout, I came home and I was like, but I can't end the friendship. I can't be by myself. Like, and I, I've had lots of times being a happy single person. But at that time, I wasn't, I wasn't up for it. I wasn't mm-hmm. up for a relationship with myself. And I just like you don't you can really end up in very compromising situations yes. when you don't you're not OK with being yourself. Like I think being alone and single by yourself, I think it's a superpower to be able to enjoy your mm-hmm. own company. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's and it's also something you have to cultivate and you have to mm-hmm. work at. And it's also like you say, there will be times when you're not and that's yeah. okay, too. 
But just overall, if you work on yourself and you work on not necessarily loving yourself, like it, again, the book would be like, it's the radical self-love is more than just like, oh my God, I'm so great. Like it's, pinching it's, your cheeks. It's deeper than that. That's the word radical. Like yeah. it's more intense, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just, I feel for them and I know it's really hard. Yeah. And I wish I could do more to help them. I don't know. Make a list of all the things you enjoy doing that aren't linked to like, I don't, it sounds like she's straight and like, but like at attention, romantic attention, let's say like all the things you enjoy Mm -hmm. doing by yourself or others, like get a hobby, you know, it's just get a vibrator. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Oh, I was, that was another part is that I feel like, I feel like masturbation is actually critical. I think that you should have some sort of regular masturbation practice. Two Scorpios are. Yeah, two Scorpios. (laughs) But I think that's important. Because if if you're missing part of what you're missing is the physical intimacy, Mm -hmm. that is something that you can do on your own. Yeah, right? Like you can get very, very, like very competent at, you know. Yeah, try to be exquisitely well fucked on your own, I think. And and that might help. That will help with your confidence, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you need... A lot of love, less dating apps, and yeah, give yourself like six months and see yeah. um, and see what it is. And then, I don't know, I mean, therapy, if you can afford it, it's yeah. possible for you, sure, try some therapy. But. I mean, I think we should live in a world where everyone can get unlimited yeah. therapy, but I know that's not the world mm-hmm. we live in now, but I think it can only help. Yeah, good. But like, yeah, good friends good books, good content. Like don't, mm-hmm. you know, look at what you're like, be careful what you're scrolling, like yeah. low, like easy on the fitness videos. Yeah. And like, and yeah, I just, I just feel like you need a new outlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we did it? I think we tried. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was best, Like I say, it was, it was a doozy. Yeah. Best of luck to you. You are not too ugly for a fuck buddy, but no. also like, I think it, I, I respect that she was like, okay, I just need to get some experience. I don't want to be like a 24 year old mm. virgin. Nothing wrong with that. But like, I respect sort of like compromising yeah. your standards to be like, okay, what's a blowjob like? And, mm-hmm. but I think that it sounds like something deeper and more satisfying yeah. is ideal for the yeah. future. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Emma. Uh, And now, are you ready for routines? Sure. Okay. So do you have a morning routine? I do. Um, It depends on if it's a weekday or a Mm -hmm. weekend, but they do usually start the same. Okay. Um, I am not a morning person. Okay. And what I've started doing is, is... I will set my clock like at least half an hour before I actually want to wake up. Okay. And I will snooze. You like the snooze. And I, and I have had many arguments with people over this because they're like, no, your feet should hit the floor when your alarm goes off and you start the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have tried that. I have put, I have an alarm clock across the room <laughs> on <laughs> days when I absolutely <laughs> have to get up at a right. certain time. Like I do have that because I don't know what it is, but I just, I could sleep. I'm so forever. impressed by people like that. Like- um, so, so yeah, it's just so, so, but I like now I've, I have a happy medium where it's like a half hour where I can press snooze like once or twice, mm-hmm. then I can get up. Yeah. And I'll even do that on work days, but on days when I go into the office, I'm always running late. So that's okay. those, those days I tend to do the ac- across the room alarm. Little, the little jog. Where I'm just like, fine. <laughs> um, but I will get up and I will start some water for tea because I drink uh-huh. a pot of tea every morning. Beautiful. And I will usually have a shower 
before I take Oscar. Um, then I'll take Oscar for a walk, mm-hmm. um, give him his breakfast, give Scout her breakfast, and everyone gets their medication because mm-hmm. Oscar is an elderly boy, so he's Aww. on medication now. So we have a little party of medication giving. Mm-hmm. And breakfast. And breakfast. Although Oscar's very weird. He doesn't always want to eat his breakfast. He wants to save it for later? He, he'll save it for later. And okay. I'm like, you're not very food motivated, which is interesting. But okay. he's very liver treat motivated, though. He likes his liver treats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the dog food is kind of bland. Yeah. I try See, to I try to zhuzh it up. Sometimes yeah. I put some pumpkin in there. Oh, and, that's nice. You know, yeah. but he just, he, you know, he's weird. Okay. But yeah, and then I'll, I'll, if it's a day that I'm working from home, I will have my tea throughout the morning as yeah. I work and I'll have breakfast at my desk. But oh, and the other thing I do now, because as I mentioned earlier, I have plantar fasciitis mm-hmm. in not one, but both feet Okay, is my massage therapist gave me some wall stretches to do. Oh, good. So I do those in the morning okay. um, and I try to do them again at lunch and then again at night. And then oh, sometimes I forget. Three times a day. It's oh. hard, but if I don't do them, then it hurts more. Wow. So I try okay. to remember, but I do yeah. those in the morning so that's a newer addition to my okay. routine mm-hmm. um days when i go into the office i do all of that but faster okay and then i bring my tea with me in a thermos mm-hmm. and i go into the office and then oscar is very upset with me because yeah poor sweetheart. he doesn't like it when when i don't stay and work from home do you think he barks all day i don't think so because my neighbors haven't complained okay. but i have mentioned to them to tell me right because i'm very friendly with a lot of people in the building so yeah. i'm like let me know if you ever hear him when we first moved in i would record him and he would bark sometimes okay. but now he seems more okay. chill um, <laughs> coping skills coping skills but we are extremely codependent and that is because i did not crate train him when i got him <laughs> which is something that i regret to this day um but we're both very codependent anxious people dog. anxious codependent people and dog you have a Pers- relation fusionnelle that's yeah, what we ex- say in quebec <laughs> exactly like it's it's too funny like we're so alike anyway and then on the weekends i like to have my tea and watch whatever it is I'm watching those days, oh, which fun. is sometimes Drag Race or okay. a lot of the time Drag Race or something something fun, something yeah. I don't have to think about too much mm-hmm. as I drink my tea because it takes a while to drink a whole pot of yeah. tea. So I mean, if you're reasonable about it, yeah. I, I can drink caffeinated things quickly back when I had caffeine. Okay, well, that sounds very reasonable. Uh, and then do you have a creative routine? Um, I do. Um, part of it is called procrastination, mm-hmm. which I think has come up on this podcast yes, before. Yes, Francesca. Um, Pro. I really love to procrastinate, but I also really like to be prepared. So yeah. it's hard. Um, but when I'm, for example, pitching to confabulation, I'll usually try to have a rough draft ready before I even pitch. Yeah, that's um, because wise. I just. I want to make sure there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have pitched in the past where I'm like, oh, I think this is there and I'm not sure. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that didn't work so well for me. Like, okay. I didn't feel so great about it. I can't even remember if that story got picked. Um, right. It might even not have because it wasn't fleshed out. And, yeah. No, you know, they want a story. They want a story. That, yeah, exactly. So I like to do like a vomit draft. Yeah. Mostly in bullet points. Okay. And then speak it aloud several times and then edit that based on how I feel when I'm saying it because mm-hmm. I think it's different spoken. And you just record yourself? I rec- your- yeah, I yeah. use voice memos okay, or whatever. Um, so, so if I ever die, people are going to see like all my... Oh, you like, don't delete them. I yeah. delete some of them, yeah, but not all of them. Either. And I'm like, oh, I... Mm. If you ever die, we're never going to die. <laughs> yeah, never, it's never going to happen. Or just burn my phone yeah. like, or throw it in the oh, St. Lawrence or something. Oh, God, my phone is a- minefield so yeah and I do that and I like to 
I recently tried to add practicing in front of the mirror to my routine and that was a fail. Okay. I did not care for that. It was awkward. And I was like, oh, that's what I do with my arms. That's what I do Mm. with my... No, I didn't like it. But you're different when you are watching yourself in front of the mirror. I don't think you're quite natural. No, I don't think so either. I was just trying something new and I was like, no. So I like, I prefer the voice memos and I'll, I'll do, I'll do like, if I have a good take, Mm -hmm. I'll listen to it when I'm walking Oscar. Yeah. Okay. I've done that before too. You know, like just to have it kind of, I, cause I don't like to memorize word for word. Mm -hmm. I know some people do and that's totally cool, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I feel more like I want to feel really like it's a really comfy sweater that I feel really comfy in, but it's not perfectly knit. Right. You know what I mean? Cause then if I want to go on a tangent the day of it's more natural to yeah, me than like, oh my God, you're, you're going like off panicking. script. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because it can depend, like the audience can give you an energy or a vibe that makes you kind of yeah, want to go in a different direction. Crowd work. I feel like you, know? you interact well with so, the audience. So that's sort of my creative routine. Mm-hmm. But when I get down to it, I do it. But again, like when we Put were talking about work with like the avoidance uh-huh. versus hyper-focused, like yeah. once I hyper-focus, I'm good. Yeah. But I procrastinate for a long time where I'm like, oh, I really... I have, you know, two weeks until the performance right. or, oh, I really need to clean my apartment. I can't well, work on it now. Do. You know, like I'm like, yeah, that's that's when I do the baseboards. Right. That's when I do the Your extra floors stuff. are so great, though. They're so clean. Oh, thank you. Uh, but you do pull it off because I've seen, I think I've seen almost all your stories. Well, at least I've heard them also. So yeah, she, she pulls it off. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem like you wing it. So you probably, it doesn't seem like you procrastinate too severely. Like it's no. not like the night well, before. Be, no, it's not no. the night before. The night before I'm, I'm a wreck. Really? Um, okay. Well, it's funny. I still get stage fright. Oh, um, you look Even chill. though I have like a background in theater and right. I love performance. But I think it's something also about it being a true life story that you're yeah. putting your heart out there. Vulnerable. And it's vulnerable. Whereas if I'm in a play, like it's someone else's words unless yeah. it's a play I wrote, which hasn't happened yet. But, mm-hmm. you know, so. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned for my eventual Fringe show. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. We, we all have them. We'll all have them. 2048. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's sort of my creative routine. And with things like book club, like I like to read the book and then I like to reread the book. Okay. And take notes the second time oh, because yes. the first time I like to just sit and read it. Enjoy it. But yeah. sometimes I don't always have the time to do mm-hmm. that. So okay. I need to make the time to make sure I have enough time to do Yeah, to that, do that is work. A, to really read something thoroughly is yeah. a commitment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But, but I feel creative about that too. Like it's a creative outlet yeah, for me to have a book sure. club. And, yeah. And then you have to discuss it because yeah. you lead some of the groups. I lead too. some of the groups yeah. and you know, you want to have discussion questions written and we have like a run of show or we have some suggested questions, but mm-hmm. then we kind of, cause there's like a little committee of us that kind of run the book club together mm-hmm. and they're all amazing, wonderful people. And when we have the meetings, like when I first started doing them, cause they're on zoom, there would be the zoom silences. Which are very natural. Yeah. But I would get like really concerned that there was a Zoom silence and I would kind of jump in and be like another discussion question. I'm like, I'm getting a lot better at letting the silences happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I was just so concerned with people not like Mm -hmm. with, I wanted people to be happy that they came to the book club. Right. And not disappointed or bored or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to fill every moment with words and questions and and I'm like no you don't have to like sometimes silence is okay yeah um but it's just different because it's on like I'm sure if we were in a room somewhere Mm -hmm. like the back of a cafe having this book club 
there would be natural silences yeah, and I wouldn't care, drink and you know, chips and but it's just different on zoom. You yeah, feel it more, it's higher um, pressure, it's higher pressure right. but it's really great to, to have it be virtual because we have people from yeah. multiple locations mm-hmm. come, you know, but it'd be great to do it in person too for different reasons. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, and so then what about a cleaning routine? I like to keep things relatively clean mm-hmm. consistently. Like, yeah. I'll do like a bigger clean on the weekends. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of the vacuum. Yeah. Um, I I don't love my particular vacuum, but I love vacuuming. What is your vacuum? Um, it's like an Electrolux, but like the... Is it stand up? N- no. Okay. No. It has like the little thing that canister, follow, canister okay. that yeah. follows you around. But I have a cat who has white fur. Mm-hmm. This is the bane of my existence right. because it's everywhere. Yeah. So I vacuum a lot because they'll often, if I don't, there'll be little tufts of scout hair and they yeah. really bug me. Mm-hmm. But she's so cute. So She is a very cute cat. You have two you very know. cute white pets. Yeah, exactly. We like all colors of pets. We like pets. all colors, but I just, I yeah. ended up with two white ones. I didn't yeah. plan it, but there you go. Yeah. Um. So I like to do a good vacuum mm-hmm. like once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. I don't like cleaning behind the toilet or behind the sink. Okay. Because it's such a tight squeeze in there that it's like hard to contort myself. Mm -hmm. But I do it. Um, Okay. But I enjoy like a, like, like I really like it when the, the bathroom mirror is clean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's like, you have to do it every day then. Yeah, because it gets the toothpaste. Because it gets the toothpaste stuff or the the face wash or the hair thing. Yeah. But when I clean it, I'm like, oh, that looks so nice. Like, yeah, it's such a no. good. So that's kind of my, and I, and I'm a big, I, I like to do the dishes mm-hmm. pretty soon do after. you have a dishwasher? I do not. I no, just, me either. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't have a dishwasher, but I don't like going to bed with dishes no. in the sink. Yeah. I, I'm fine Sacrilege. with them being drying on the, on yeah, the dryer that's rack. Okay. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't want, like, I want to wake up and there's a clean kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Great. We're kind of kindreds with the cleaning, I think. Um, wonderful. Oscar is codependent. He's looking right at you. I he's know, like, he loves me. what's what's next here? He's like, what's I've been on? sitting on this woman's lap for a long time. No, but time. he's also pretty calm because yeah. you're petting him. He seems yeah. pretty chill. Yeah. And this has been a big treat. Okay, so then the last question is if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? This is like your your TED talk I in know. a few sentences. I'm going to link it back to fat liberation. Mm-hmm. If you're act, if you consider yourself an activist, like you're anti-racist, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, LGBT plus friendly, mm-hmm. all those things, anti-ableist, yeah, all of those things, but you're anti-fat, mm-hmm. your activism is severely lacking. Yeah. And I found that a lot. I see that a lot mm-hmm. where people consider themselves really progressive. Yeah. But they'll still say the most horrible anti-fat things. Mm-hmm. So I guess my wish, and it's somewhat selfish because I am in a fat body, but it would be that people would have more compassion towards yeah. anyone in general, but yeah. like also fat like, you know, have your activism include fat activism Mm -hmm. because again it's not just for fat people yeah it's very interesting how it's like fat people are like it's the last person that we're still allowed to be mean to like Like, what the last person we're allowed to make fun of it's just like very you'll see it in tv shows like that are like you know super diverse casts and but then they'll still be like a really horrible fat joke yeah and i'm like come on you know but if i didn't watch 
shows that were anti-fat, I wouldn't have anything to watch. Right, so yeah. I just kind of have to learn to shrug it off. But mm-hmm. sometimes you can't shrug it off. No, like, it hurts. It yeah. can hurt. So that would be my wish that like mm-hmm. people would be more cognizant of that and mm-hmm. maybe include that in their activism if they're so adamant about being an activist. Yeah. And there's no selfish liberation. It's not selfish of you to say that. I think mm. this will this will set all of us free because it is yeah, no, it is it is a painful the anti fat uh mentality is painful for everybody. Yeah. So that's wonderful. Okay, well Emma, you've rocked this and now we have a special surprise for everyone because Emma is actually a good singer. Oh god, I don't know about that. Yeah, so we are going to do a special song. So we'll be right back and um yeah, thanks so much for listening. See you on the other side. Love you. Bye. Hi, we're back. <laughs> uh so Emma chose a song I never heard of. Do you want to introduce the song? Sure. Um, It's a song from a musical, which will surprise no one who knows me that I picked a song from a musical. (laughs) It's not a Sondheim. Um, We did have some back and forth on some Sondheims, but he liked to make things very complicated. They weren't really ukulele friendly, especially not not my level of ukulele. Um, So I I was actually texting with you, Erica, when this song came on my shuffle Uh and I was like oh this song really resonates with me for a lot Uh of reasons so it's from a musical called Waitress it's called She Used to Be Mine it's Mm -hmm. written by Sarah Bareilles Um, and basically this is like the big song at the end of the musical Um, the character is pregnant and talking to her unborn child which is Uh not something I necessarily have um, a connection to but the the lyrics I have a connection to about feeling you know imperfect and all of those things and lonely no it's beautiful it's a beautiful song Mm -hmm. so we're going to give it our best. Yeah. Um, and I am I am by no means uh, a Tony Award winning singer like Bernadette Peters, but I will do my best. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. And yeah. You ready? It's not simple to say. Most days I don't recognize me. These shoes and this apron, that place and its patrons have taken more than I gave them. It's not easy to know I'm not anything like I used to be, although it's true I was never attention sweet center. I still remember that girl. She's imperfect, but she tries. She is good, but she lies. She is hard on herself. She is broken and won't ask for help. She is messy, but she's kind. She is lonely, most of the time she is all of this mixed up and baked in a beautiful pie. She is gone, but she used to be mine. I love 
loved it. Okay. It was so good. Okay. Wonderful. That was our most, I think that was our most ambitious solo uh, solo song we've ever had on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. Oh my so goodness. everybody send their fan mail to <laughs> Emma. Are you on, can people find you online? People can find, um, I'm on Instagram, Emma underscore Lanza, but it is private. But okay. if I know you, like from the Montreal storytelling community, yeah. etc., like I would for sure add you. Okay. It's just, I was getting a lot of like fat phobic trolls no. um, on my account. So I made it private. Okay. But good Fatty Book Club is public. Okay. If you want to come and be part of the book club, okay. it's Fatty, F-A-T-T-I-E, uh-huh. book club, um, all, all one word okay. on Instagram. And I am, I'm also on Facebook, but that's also private. So okay, I guess cool. I'm not really. So the Instagram is yeah, better. Yeah, the Instagram okay. is better. Yeah. Um, but and you can find my stories from con- on Confabulations yeah, we'll YouTube. Link those. Yeah, um, I'm also on one of the podcast episodes of Confabulation. My fat pig story is on there. Belonging, right? Belonging, belonging episode. Um, okay. And hopefully, I'll be back on the Confabulation stage at some point. I haven't pitched yet for this season, but I'm sure I will at some point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we'll plug it when she does. Yeah. So. That's been great. Thank you so much, Emma. This has been a very illuminating and fun and fascinating conversation. And thank you. Are you all good? Do you have anything else? Okay. Okay. So, and thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you on the other side. Love you. Bye. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Emma Lanza, for your candid and generous sharing about Fat liberation, mental health, anxiety, storytelling, routines, all of it. I loved it. Follow Emma on the interwebs. You can follow me, Erica J. Schmidt, on Instagram at erica.j.schmidt, or you can find me via my website at ericajschmidt.com. Thank you, as always, to my darling big sister, Tess Levitt, who helped me refine the inspiration for this podcast. Thank you to Sherwin Tijia, my creative and technical advisor and most cherished friend. Thank you to the dearly departed Eileen Gunn, whose surprise and generous gift helped me to purchase new podcast equipment. And thank you to you, as always, for faithfully listening all the way to the end. So appreciate that. Okay, so are you ready for the theme song? Ready? Okay. This is your strange and beautiful life. Okay, thanks so much, everybody. Love you. Love you. Bye.